All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode two seventeen. Jason Lingren is with me, and Lena Pooh is back with us. Who you may remember from past episode is a five G expert, and basically electromagnetic frequencies is her specialty. She also has some new documents that people may be interested in. Uh, we'll only have we'll be able to deliver so much of this in the first hour for obvious reasons. But welcome, Jason. Well, good afternoon, Crow. So a lot of people are concerned with their home networks and their telephone networks and all the RF frequencies. And they're asking questions like, is this bad for me? Does this have an effect on me? And I think what we're going to do here is jump in to try to define for people from someone who knows what they're talking about, what exactly all this is about. The phone networks, your home networks, it's all basically RF frequencies. Um, and when I say RF, I'm talking about radio frequencies, basically. But we'll define it better than that. That's a very broad statement I just made. Jason, do you have anything that you want to cover or do you want to jump in with Lena? I think time is of the essence. All right. Why don't you lead us in, bud? So, Lena, why don't we do a quick recap on what we discussed in our first episode, which is just a brief rundown on 5G because we do, thankfully, always have new folks finding us and needing to learn the information. So if you want to start with that, that's probably a good idea. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Crow, for having me uh, back on. And for the new listeners, let's just um, give you a broad view of what 5G is. And um, it is a quantum leap between 4G and 5G. Nothing has ever been unleashed in the way it has been up until now. The FCC chairperson, Tom Wheeler, a couple years back, back in, I believe it's 2016, when he announced 5G, he basically said, we're unleashing the entire spectrum of microwaves to be blanketed over the entire world. He said the United States at the time, but if you understand the connections, the international connections the FCC has, they actually are really an international, uh, has an international reach. And I can explain that more later when we talk about SpaceX and Elon Musk and what he is doing worldwide. So let's quickly define what the spectrum is so people can maybe visualize it. Lena, does it make sense to define what frequency spectrum this is by using as a benchmark what the visual spectrum is, or is there a better way to do it? Yes, people actually need to educate themselves and take a look at the electromagnetic spectrum chart. You can find that on, on Google and just type in electromagnetic spectrum and you'll get the entire spectrum between radio frequency microwaves to the visible light spectrum to the other side of the visible light spectrum, which is the ionizing gamma rays, the X-rays portion. So the microwaves portion sits on the opposite end of the visible light spectrum. And this is the excuse that industry and, and certain levels of government claim is harmless to our human makeup because they claim it does not knock off electrons off of atoms. That is not true. That's a myth. There is many layers of biological harm being exposed to microwaves, and that extends to molecular bending, molecular deformation, to the point where biology cannot recognize that molecule anymore. So looking at the microwave spectrum, that the FCC has 
unleashed is basically 3,000 frequencies. We're all aware that Wi-Fi runs on two frequencies right now, 2.45 and 5.8 gigahertz. That's two frequencies. And we know from scientific studies, tens of thousands of peer-reviewed um, peer science that states Wi-Fi damages everything from the DNA to cellular membranes to tissue to whole body systems and organs. So that, that has been proven scientifically at very, very low levels. So there is no excuse. You know, the industry cannot say, oh, the science is out. We don't, we need more studies. No, I'm sorry. We, we have plenty of studies. In fact, we have more studies supporting this claim than when they were determining tobacco smoke. The government made a decision tobacco smoke was cancer causing when only thousands of studies proved harm. We are in the tens of thousands of studies with the electromagnetic microwave radiation studies. So there is an ulterior motive. There's a lot of, I would say, more than just money hinging on this. There's a lot of hidden agendas. And the study of radar, which is microwave frequencies, began with the military. And it was the military that really wanted to study this heavily because it does so many things. It can do everything from creating invisible airplanes, you know, invisible spacecrafts, detecting uh, planes using microwaves. And then they would use absorbance, RF absorbance, and paint it on, on the surface of a certain spacecraft so that they would, they would stay invisible from these microwaves. So, so it started off with a military purpose, uh, also for communications. So the, the, the flight of people who are flying the, the planes and jets would be able to communicate on the ground. And there was a lot of clandestine discussions using, using microwaves. And, and people thought, oh, telegram, telegram. But no, actually, they were using microwave cellular connectivity for communication purposes back in World War II. And um, they actually found evidence of that type of technology in some of the some of the planes. So this technology started off with the military, and they also discovered, well, it also does something else. It can change brainwave patterns. That was a whole different ballgame. And that's when MKUltra, operational MKUltra was birthed, a whole bunch of other type projects, government-funded projects were birthed because of the very invisible, nefarious applications uh, microwave can be used. Let me just quickly reiterate for people. If you look up the electromagnetic spectrum and you get a diagram online, if blue is on the left and red is on the right, you will see a breakdown of the different subsets of the frequency like this. One would be gamma going left to right. Two would be x-ray. Then you get to ultraviolet. You can kind of think bluey purple. Then you're actually in the, the small sliver of visible light that the human eye can detect. Then when you go beyond that to the right, you're into the infrared. Remember all my telescope work that looks pink. That's part of what's being shot there. Part of it is infrared. Beyond that, just beyond that to the right is what we're talking about called microwave radiation. Then, of course, to the right of that is what they're calling radio and TV. In other words, the waves are longer. So as you get from the long waves at the right towards the center where your eye can see light, those waves are getting smaller and smaller. So really what we're talking about here is millimeter waves or something similar to that. Is that correct, Lena? 
that's all within the microwave spectrum. What's very confusing is that they lump everything together, the, the long waves in with the millimeter waves. So when people talk about 5G, they think, oh, it's just millimeter waves. No, it's, it's everything. In fact, they're actually putting out more low band and mid band frequencies, which are the longer waves, not necessarily the millimeter waves. However, the millimeter waves are being used and they are deploying them. So all of it is, is a huge risk, all of it, because the length of the waves resonates with certain shapes, you know, the, the size of, for instance, let's say you have your Wi-Fi router, which is about maybe, I believe, five inches to nine inches in width. Well, that kind of fits your brain. You know, your, your brain is about that wide and your heart organ your liver. So those type of organs are going to resonate with the Wi-Fi frequency bandwidth. And then you introduce something that's smaller that's going to resonate with your cells because it's, you know, it's it's impacting it at at that width. Millimeter waves is essentially what it what it means. It's millimeter in width. And that's why the insects, they've shown studies where the millimeter waves impact insects. Uh, directly. And it actually harms them instantly to the point where they're actually being tortured to death, being exposed to millimeter waves. Let's give, I'll give a reference. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was a radio operator. And one of the things we used to do is you would do calculations for the wavelength that you wanted to pick up to make a homemade antenna with wire. As an example of this, that people might think of a really low, low frequency. So the trough is very long like a submarine uses, they might throw a mile of wire out the back of a sub to pick that up. When we were in the desert, we used to calculate out, you know, how, how many feet, 50 or 100 feet for any particular wave, just to give people an idea of what, you're talk- what we're talking about. But let's talk a little bit about how this actually comes to be in maybe a city setting. People are saying that this particular wavelength doesn't travel very far and it doesn't go through walls. And uh, worse than that, they give the example that trees would absorb it. And the example they give is because trees are cells in water. Well, I got news for everybody. People are cells in water, too. (laughs) But the point I would make, is it true, some of the claims we're hearing, that in a city center, you would have to have an antenna every couple hundred feet. And if you went inside a building, there would have to be more repeaters or boosters or whatever you want to call it to get the signal inside. Is any of that correct? Half of it's correct, half of it is incorrect. Now, it doesn't penetrate walls. It is true. It doesn't, um, millimeter waves do not penetrate solid objects. But the way they've designed the propagation techniques is they've made it so that it can bounce. So if it hits a solid object, it'll bounce and it won't decay in terms of the, the energy won't decay because of the way the antennas are, are formed. They're phased array uh, antennas so that it's, um, they're beam formed. It's so unnatural. People also need to understand that the propagation techniques is so advanced and it it represents the same type of technology that is found in HARP, H-A-A-R-P, which is used to bounce off of our ionosphere and create all kinds of havoc in our in our weather system. So we're putting that type of technology into these tiny little antennas that are, like you say, the, sh- the shape of the, the wave the size of the waveform is how, how big the antennas will be. So being in millimeter wave size, you can fit hundreds of antennas on like the size of a, a coin, for instance. I'm a little confused here, though, because you're saying that the, the wave can ricochet and it doesn't lose, when we say amplitude, whatever, we're saying power. 
but is it true that it doesn't travel very far? Are they going to need an antenna uh, every couple hundred feet? Is that accurate? They don't. They don't. It's, they it don't. travels very far. They they did a study, and it's readily accessible. I, I can't remember the name of the article, but they they propagated a millimeter wave, and I believe it was probably something like near 30 gigahertz, and they found that it traveled through trees, over hills, and they were able to capture it thousands of feet. I mean, it was from one hill to another hill. And they were very pleased. <laughs> These people were very pleased that they found that it traveled that far. So th- this and is a now this for people to think about. This would be analogous back to the radio days when they would claim, "Look at this great radio station. It's fifty thousand watts." So that's kind of what you're alluding to, right? If it's a hundred thousand watts, that radio signal goes a heck of a lot further. That's really what we're talking about, right? How much how much juice you put behind the propagation? Yes, yes, yes. And then they also found that. The trees did not hinder or block the signal, even though they were millimeter waves. So that also shows, well, maybe we need to rethink about objects blocking these type signals. Although in a home setting, it would be very different because our, our walls, you know, it's, it's not as in a tapestry form like the leaves, whereas you, you've got solid walls. Now, the, the frequencies within... The home right now, they're using Wi-Fi frequencies, which are the 2.45 and 5.8. And they're now introducing 6 gigahertz, which is just above 5.8, obviously. And that's going to be an unlicensed band. And so all the industry is just going to jump on that one. And they're also possibly introducing the 60 gigahertz, which will be disastrous. Absolutely disastrous. When Jason and I looked at this a couple of years ago, um, one of the claims being made about a 5G network in a city center was that as the data was whipping around the network, they could actually identify what data they're interested in and port it off to headquarters central or wherever, if you're following what I'm suggesting here. Is any of that correct? Is that one of the reasons it's almost like uh, a self-policing data network? Is that part of what's going on here? Yeah, it's it's more a decisive frequency where it's looking for a particular address, so to speak. And that is why they're beamforming these new frequency types because of less, because they're introducing billions of new devices. It's no longer just your cell phone they're interested in connecting. They're interested in connecting maybe a, a chip in your shirt, you know, or a chip in your shoe to your watch. You know, to your to your glasses, uh, they they want to chip everything. So, so they're making these various not only beamform, but these different types of frequencies will have a specific purpose. For instance, the driverless cars use a particular frequency right now, and that's what they're putting in the small cells. And they're you know they're sprinkling the small cells throughout neighborhoods and communities and commercial areas to facilitate this these driverless cars. And the driverless cars operate between 28 gigahertz to 34 gigahertz, depending on where, where you live. But it's, it's essentially they're trying to allocate specific frequencies for specific usage. How does, I mean, when we start to think about driverless cars and it's the network that's keeping them where they're going, networks come down. Yes. <laughs> I mean, power outages happen. And even if it's not a power outage, everybody knows you can lose an internet connection. And for that matter... Yeah. Even cell signals in this day and age, um, has that been thought about? 
actually, there was one guy who got stranded in Arizona in the middle of nowhere because his, he lost signal. He lost some kind of a GPS signal and he was in a driverless car and he was stuck there. So that, that does happen. And not only being stuck there, but let's say the grid goes down when you're in a city and then you're in a four-way <laughs> traffic. Well, I, I'm you already th think about what's going on in the world now. You've seen the software coming out that measures everyone to make sure they're six feet apart. Can you imagine when this nonsense comes back around? Because once nonsense is done, nonsense always comes back in a slightly <laughs> different guise. But think about driverless cars, push a button somewhere and no car sure. moves. You know, you can almost see the policing nature uh, of what's being designed. But Jason, you want to get in on any of this? Well, Lena, as I showed you some pictures of the town I live in when we were speaking the other day, are you able to explain what those might be? Because they're cropping up in many cities across the United States. Those are definitely antennas. As to what it's servicing, I wouldn't be able to tell you. They put those on top of the traffic lights. I am assuming it's doing some type of surveillance and it might be taking readings off of cars and off of people. I see it more as a surveillance type device. I don't see it as something to help you connect to the internet with your phone at all. Those are definitely 360 antennas. There's a triple array that's kind of half arced so that a full circle is covered. Right. Um, so, so I'm with Lena all day long. Uh, it's definitely a 360 array. So these just went in since this whole nonsense started. So you don't yeah. think this is part of the 5G network? You know, 5G, it's everything. 5G really represents the Internet of Things. So yes, it is part of 5G. Uh, everything, really, I would, I would go beyond saying it's 5G. I would say it's part of the Internet of Things. And Internet of Things is ultimately about surveillance and absolute totalitarian control over the population using geofencing, tracking, tracing, like you wouldn't believe, like like the, the six-foot social distancing using drones to keep people apart and using their phones to to ding if you get too close to someone else who has a phone, you know, and it's like they can measure people's distance. That's just the beginning. I mean, that is, it's, it's kind of like, like a little mini psyop to prepare us as well as give them an idea just how quickly we as, you know, chattel can, can grow accustomed to their, their little tricks and, 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 and games. And sure enough, you know, we, we, we do lock and step. We, we follow orders and, and they're probably pleased to no end to see that we are doing this. Again, you know, the, the phone is where they're beginning to use this type of surveillance, but they're talking about using chips in the ID 2020, where yeah, that's going to be the ultimate quote unquote injected cell phone into your, into your system where it's, it's an embedded two-way micro chip system where all your ID, all your vaccination records is accessible 24-7 through all the surveilling devices, like the one that was found on your traffic light scattered throughout your town. There is really no, no limit. The FCC has given no limit to industry to erecting any type of antenna anywhere. <laughs> so you start seeing these things popping up everywhere. Yeah. 
I got to say, does, does everyone listening understand why I've referenced Dune so many times specifically for the idea of the Butlerian Jihad, you know, this big galaxy-wide war that was fought over thinking machines, you know, otherwise known as computer. But the Internet of Things is a scary, scary thing. And here's the thing I'll bet you most people don't know. My wife and I had a 2013 car. And one day I realized I was going to have to spend a lot of money on it. And I thought, well, geez, if I'm going to have to spend this much money, maybe I'll look at a new car. And here's what I learned. It was the last year when all the kind of tracking blue link call home stuff wasn't put in 2013, all the kind of mid range cars forward uh, are getting versions of trackability to the point where one of the mechanics told me that we don't even have mechanics here anymore. We have technicians and we don't really fix cars anymore because there's 36 computers in all the new cars. And they're so expensive that if you get in a minor accident and one of those computers gets damaged, the insurance company just comes in and totals it. Uh, I'm not kidding. I'm telling you this flat out. So from 2014 forward, all this kind of internet of things idea is already built into all the vehicles. But when you take it a step further, based on what Lena just said, chips aren't very big. So it's not going to be long before you try to buy a toaster, it's chipped. You try to buy a pair of shoes, it's chipped. You buy a new jacket, it's chipped. Everything can be chipped. I mean, it's, it's kind of beyond Orwellian. As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say Winston had it pretty bad in 1984, but it pales in comparison to the Internet of Things. Absolutely. We're, we're only beginning to see just a sliver of the potential. Do we have a time frame for the Internet of Things when they're really going to have a network together and functioning? Well, uh, I, I look at Elon Musk and his timeline. That's really what I, what I look at. And with this whole you know, COVID um, pandemic, basically the FCC told Elon Musk, hey, you can put out another million 5G terrestrial antennas all over the U.S. on top of what is already being deployed. I mean, a million. I mean, the FCC had said 800,000 over a course of a couple of years throughout the U.S. And then they just gave Elon Musk the AOK just like, I believe, a couple of, like a week or two ago. I mean, this is brand new news. The FCC just gave Elon Musk the green light to deploy another additional million of these 5G antennas on top of what he wants to put in, you know, into space. The satellite that's going to put a grid in the sky that's going to act like GPS. So basically these, these antennas, these, sat- these satellites are going to be working in conjunction with the GPS. And that's where they're going to be able to geofence Everyone, no matter if you're on a remote mountaintop or in the deepest remote valley on the ocean, no matter where you are, you'll be traceable, trackable and surveilled and seen by these satellites. You know, I, I got a actual message from a person who claims what I'm about to say is true, but won't won't give me the source for it. But they're a person who should know the truth. Everybody looks at stats everywhere and they just take them on board and act like they're true. Andy Kaufman's been with us to show why you shouldn't just turn on your local news and accept all the numbers they're giving. Check this out. This is the amount of money that a hospital gets for an admission for, you know what, $13,000. For a ventilator, they get 39000 
If a death occurs, they get $39,000. Of course, all these numbers reduce to four. We're going to play death stores here. Um, but this is kind of the new era that we've come into. If you can validate that what I just said is correct, and to be fair, I trust the person and I think it's accurate, but there's no way for me to have that kind of information. But if it is accurate, you can already imagine that any stat you're going to get from anywhere is already screwed up, even if they're trying to, to be truthful. When you start throwing around that kind of money for such simple procedures that used to be daily occurrences, have we really, what, what do you think, Lena? Have we really crossed the line into the twilight zone? Is there really no going back to what we were a few, you know, I don't know, eight, 10 weeks ago, where the idea was still that a human being had some semblance of worth and freedom? Do you think we've really crossed the line or do you think this is just the first push? This is the first push. I think we still have some time where we can fight back and there's different levels of us showing that. I mean, we've, we've, we've had demonstrations where people put the small cells on fire in UK, 50 of them. That's phenomenal, really. That's and that, that was used as a big news story to, to do all kinds of censorship and everything else. Um, some of the documents we've seen bumping around uh, it's pretty frightening um, yeah. talking yeah. about the police will do this and then any recourse in a court will be denied uh, mm -hmm. or some of the claims. But, you know, the problem with claims is that's what they are. They're claims. But I would point out to people you, who, who could possibly imagine six weeks ago that we'd be having the conversations that we're having now. The Internet of Things. Oh, you know, cryptocurrency. That's a whole part of it. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Oh. When we when, when we get back to, to the nuts and bolts, I'll, I'll ask a simple question. When we had 4G, was there any limitation there or did we have a system that functioned well enough for the entirety of society? In other words, was there an absolute necessity to have to move away from those frequencies that used to be typical? No, not at all. We, we were fat and happy with 4G. We, we were fat and happy with 3G, to be honest. 4G was just more bandwidth. It was the same frequencies. 4G was the same frequencies they were using with the 3G, just more of it, you know, just stronger. It makes me wonder uh, if before too many more months or years goes by, there will be laws implemented where you're issued a cell phone and required to carry it. Because really, much of what we're talking about breaks down if people aren't carrying smartphones. Yes. Um, I've maintained, I don't know, f over four years now. You know, Jason and some of my other friends are always disgusted with me because my phone might ring <laughs> and I might, <laughs> I might get the text like 20 minutes after the fact because you mean my the next day? smart... Let me, let my me guess, is it a flip phone? <laughs> not, not quite, but it's like 2G. Put All it right. this way. All for, for over a year, I've been getting threats that it's going to quit working one day. And on certain levels, it has, but I don't care. And yeah. I've said that the day I pick it up and it doesn't work, I'm literally going to get one of those old people's phones with the big yeah. numbers that only makes a phone call. And I'm not kidding. And all my friends are going, what the hell, Crow? How am I going to call you? I'm like, you'll be able to call me. You just won't be able to send a selfie. Thank God. <laughs> um, but um, this is really the crux of it. We covered in Rongchen, I think was the name of the Chinese city that first got the social rating system. And the system seems to be wholly employed by, via the smartphone. And by the way, what do you think, you know, can anyone possibly figure out the facial recognition that's going on right now with everyone wearing masks? Yeah, no, the Hong Kong people really know how to work around this. That's why they use umbrellas. That's why they wear hats. That's why they wear sunglasses and, and masks. It's not... 
it's not well i mean it, it really is to just you know stay i guess um not so to keep their sneezes in but i know asian people i mean i'm i'm chinese descent and i speak chinese so when i talk to people that live in the asian um countries they wear masks not to prevent themselves from getting sick it's actually out of respect for other people. I just pointed this out in a forum that there is such a difference in the idea of what was going on in Asia. That's a politeness to other yes. people around you. Um, and the reason is, and I say it all the time, Asian communities are much more group-like. They'll work well, they'll cooperate. Over here, we're not so much. But when you see someone with a mask here, it's pretty much, don't get me sick. Yeah. Uh, there is there is a huge cultural distance, but I had no idea. Uh, what dialect do you speak? Mandarin. If I ever come across texts, can I ping you? I, I don't. Uh, it's It's been a while. I, I can't read. Oh, you don't, you can't read yeah. it. You speak it. I get it. I'm amazed by the number of characters you would have had to remember. But where are we, Jason? How much time do we have in hour one? I want to get some critical things in. But the truth is, for us to open up the floodgate, we're going to have to get an hour two. But do not fret to everyone listening. We're going to talk about some documents that Lena's developed, which basically are about liability, notice of liability, reversing liability, these kinds of ideas. Just because you're not a member, um, I will still be certain that anyone who wants to can get access. And I want to make that clear. But, you know, I get so many people coming to badmouth me for having an hour or two. And when I see those people badmouthing me, I know, one, they're not content creators. Because if they were, they would understand how hard it is to say anything that matters and keep the content up. And secondarily, there is no, no free voice anywhere on any social media at all that's just carte blanche. It's not there. And while we don't harm people, the truth is we cannot utilize free human speech until we're on our own private server. And as you can see, the things we're talking about, there's going to come a day. Um, what What's critical to get in here that we can get into our one here, Elena, so that it's available for all the people who, who would like to know things? The notice of liability is a brand new old method. That's how I like to describe it. It's brand new because we've been sheltered and not educated in the old way of doing commerce. And we always run to lawyers as if there are end-all be-all in the court system. Well, this notice of liability really is an old method where two commercial entities would trade goods or services and they, they would draft up a contract between the two without a court, without a lawyer. And so this is basically what we're doing with this notice of liability is this document is actually a contract. It's a contract that claims I'm in agreement because you, the government or industry so-and-so, because we're all commerce, right? We know the United States, America is an corporation. It's, it's and an anyone, basically anyone making you an offer, to be clear yes. about it, right? Yes. Anyone making you an offer, which is all of them, putting out the 5G willy-nilly, wherever it is, you can say, I'm in agreement with this as long as you can prove to me that it's not going to cause harm. It's not going to create a tort of any kind. And you list them in the affidavit. What is a tort, please? A tort is like tortuous, tor tortuous, you know, like, like being tortured. Uh, that, that term tort is just a truncated version of torture. In law, what is it referring to? Because I know it is a legal term. I actually had some, it, uh, some law in school. In law, it means damage, personal harm, 
you're you're bringing um a, a, you're you're doing something that's going to cause harm to someone else. That's what tort law covers. Yes. Yes. I'll just read this real quick. Tort law refers to a set of laws that provides remedies to individuals who have suffered harm by the unreasonable actions of another. That's very abridged, but I think it's important when we say things. Um, a lot of people need to know what we're going. But anyhow, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, oh that's great. Thank you. Uh, that's that's great. So the the notice of liability here, I title it as notice of liability for non-consent and injury. So again, the injury part is related to what you just described, the meaning of tort. Right. Unreasonable so, harm. So does this, yeah. uh, is this a workaround? Because Jason and I also covered in like maybe three years ago that the telecom companies had, legis had legislated on their behalf all these laws like you can't sue them, even if you can prove that health concerns were on the table here, that somehow you've been harmed by what they were doing. Mm -hmm. um, with what you're talking about, does that make any difference? No, because the document is basically pulling the person out as an individual, uh, out of their or organization or agency, and, and pinpointing them, putting their name on the document saying, I, looking at you, the individual, the other individual, you're possibly creating harm. You're bringing harm to me with your agreement in, in allowing this contract to, to go through or this, this uh, claim or this project to go through. So you're, you're basically holding them accountable and the document, you know, brings it out of their jurisdiction. It's, it's claiming I'm basing my document on common law, on nature's law, I mean, even the Constitution, which is what they're not even using, you know, they're they're operating on 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 laws of commerce. Trump swore when he took office, although the wording is a bit ironic, to the best of his ability. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but let me see if I can reframe exactly what you're laying down here. We go through life not understanding how the legal systems around us work. Every time we enter into an agreement, for intents and purposes, many of those times we could call it a contract. You can look up what a contract is online. You'll see things like a meeting of the minds, which implies not only the one side of the agreement, but the other side have had a meeting of the minds. In other words, they both understand. The truth mm -hmm. of it is, is that we enter into a lot of things we don't even know are called contracts after the fact, and we sure as heck don't understand. There's almost been a meeting of the minds. So if I'm going to describe this correctly, and you, if I mess up, just correct me. So all these offers are made in the world. As an example, you get your auto insurance. And when I was young, it was just that. But now, if you look closely, almost always it says at the top, here is the offer. Now, if you accept the offer, you've entered into a contract, haven't you? Yep. So this, this is what we're talking about. But you see, what most people don't realize about our crazy legal world, um, and most people are not even aware of the type of law that's being enforced here, and I kid you not, that's why Linus was talking about natural law, God's law, the law of the land, maybe it could be called, mm -hmm. is, is that when an offer is made you, you can't just say, no, I don't want your offer. And I'm not kidding you. Most people think, well, why not? That's common sense, right? Someone makes an offer and I say, no, it's not how it works, is it, Lena? That's why you're using the language. I'd be happy to accept your offer if, right? Am I in the, yeah, yeah. I in the middle of the road here or am I blowing uh, it? Right. So, so that's where the affidavit points come in and, and you have to rebut. If you don't accept it, then you have to state the reasons why. Now, the 
this whole document is being done in reverse. As you're saying, they're, the industry or commercial industry, when they, when they create something, we're always following behind, accepting by, we're acquiescing through our silence. Tacit permission based in common yes. law, right? So, non, non-response to something you don't agree with yes, is acceptance. Exactly. And, and, that, and they do this to us all the time. In fact, what you were saying, like the insurance, uh, when, when, when they make a change in their contract, they'll send you a letter and say, well, we've made changes to our contract. And, and it's like, you know, uh, however many pages long it is in small, tiny two, two font that you can barely read. There's, they say our terms of conditions have changed. Your silence is is in agreement, and if you don't agree, then we expect you to respond to this, you know, to this renewed uh, change in our contract. And they o- do often in con- writing too. They make it a hassle. You got to do this in writing or some yeah, nonsense. Yeah, So they do this to us all the time. I mean, time and time again, there's you know there's conditional changes to to all kinds of contracts, and we get this through the mail. And do we ever even read it? You know, we don't. So what, what this whole notice of liability is, we're reversing the, the process. We're taking control of this method, the system, or this, you know, this, this process. And we're exercising our, our rights. And we're, we're basically telling them, hey, if you don't respond to this notice, then your silence is acquiesce. Well, I got to ask though. So, what if they just choose to ignore it? We know what happens if we ignore it. Bad things happen to our credit. We start getting contacted. Then legal proceedings might follow. All these things. They'll send a summons to summons the dead, which is us, by yeah. the way, in, the, in their eyes. Uh, not true. I'm living and breathing, and I'm guessing anyone listening to my voice right now is also living and breathing, showing the farce of the systems we exist in. But what, you know, what if they choose to ignore? that we are living human beings and have actually reversed the liability, then what? Then you file, you give them a, you know, however long a chance to rebut. And my document, I'm giving them three weeks to rebut. And if they don't, they don't send anything back in response, then they automatically go into notice of default. And then you submit the notice of default after three weeks and say, now you have a chance to rectify this. And I'm giving you three days to do this. And if they don't, then the process I'm recommending is then you take it to injunction. Then you take it to court, you bring it before a judge and you say, this person defaulted on my notice of liability. I'm in a position of honor. This person is in a position of dishonor. Please make a motion for this person to stop what they're doing because it is causing tort, it is causing damage and harm to my well-being, my body, or my residence. And you ask for a motion. You ask for an action. This is different than what I know what the Empower Movement has been proposing. And the reason why... No, I, I didn't come up with this by myself. I've been in contact with several people and we've been brainstorming how do we do this in a in a very streamlined form where where we're hoping to get what we want we don't want people's money we don't want to necessarily go after a lien lien on their assets what we want is action we want them to stop deploying the the things that are going to cause damage or is causing damage 
So this is um, a much easier approach that we feel is more achievable because people have a hard time filing 10 notices, keeping with a calendar that's going to be a whole process long, a year's worth of time that they will lose to get to the end, which is a lien on assets. You know, so, so the end result isn't what we're aiming for. Plus, we really don't have that time. We don't have nine months to a year to, to achieve our goals. So, so this is, I think, a very reasonable way where, you, where you're still working with the court system. I mean, eventually, honestly, there's no way you cannot not work with the court system. Even though, you know, for instance, the Empower says you can do this all pro se, you can do this without lawyers and without the court system. But when it comes right down to it, how are you going to enforce it? You know, you're putting a threat on someone's assets to try to get them to do something. That's not a very direct approach. So let me make sure I got this. So what you're saying is to utilize the system itself to be the enforcement. Yes. Okay, so that's the main difference. Now, I'm going to play the advocate, and since I don't work for the devil, I won't be the devil's advocate, um, but I will be the advocate here. I think if I'm correct here, and again, if I blow it, tell me I blew it, and let's make it right here. Empower Movement has had some successes, have they not? I haven't heard any of the ones that I've talked with. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I, I wasn't aware of that. So basically, the idea is that Cal and others have started, what you've basically done is branched off on your own to try to come at it from another avenue, which by the way, I, I totally, I'm so about what you're doing and I wish five more people would branch off from you and five from there and five from there. Cause eventually, uh, who knows, maybe it is you. I was under the impression that some of what Empower was doing had already, matter of fact, I'm reasonably sure there have been some, some positive outcomes, but mm-hmm. I'll have to check. But what you're doing, I think is so helpful because The truth of it is we all came through education, but how is it that we all live in a country where even the lawyers, those guys carrying the Esquire tag, many of them don't understand what type of law is going on in a courtroom. So much work has been done now that we can pretty much demonstrate we know, but that does not alleviate the fact that there are actual people with Esquire behind their name, which is actually, for people who don't know, one step below a knight. That's what Esquire is. So when they pass the bar, hand, 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 the British, whatever the hell it stands for, I've forgotten, you've, you've got to understand there's this whole illusory system that's been pulled up that most people don't understand. And so what Lean is getting at is we came up in school, which basically taught us how to get along in the system, but didn't teach us a damn thing about the system. And that's really the basis of everything here, isn't it, Lena? Yes. What you're trying to do is inform people about how the system is, because as it stands now, major corporations, for some reason, they understand how the system works, but the average human being doesn't. And I'm going to ask a question here. It's been suggested, and I don't know how you're going to answer this, It has been suggested, and I think I've seen some reasonable explanations, that if you walk into a courtroom and require a lawyer, in the eyes of the court, you've dishonored yourself because you're supposed to be adult human being and you can't even handle your own affairs. You have to get this babysitter called a lawyer to come in. Is there any truth to that in your eyes? Is there any merit to these ideas in your eyes? Well, legally, you just handed over your rights and passed it on to the lawyer 
to basically represent you. And if the lawyer is bar associated, a barrister, their allegiance is to the crown. It's not to you. Right. That's okay. the bar. So Actually, I, I want- the British accreditation registry, I believe. There you, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was actually designed to create these barristers way back when I, I can't remember which queen did this. Maybe it was in the 1800s. It was a Victoria, maybe Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. sounds like her. Um, she's got about 500 statues around the world. So it wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. You want to get your mind blown, go over to Wikipedia and search statues for queen Victoria. And I swear you, but anyhow, go ahead, Lena. She basically controlled, um, that's how she controlled the legal system. She made all the lawyers have to go through this accreditation system to be able to even practice law. So this, of course, still stands, but um, not all lawyers are are bar associated. So it's not a 100% thing. Although if you're not registered as a, as a bar person then or lawyer, you're kind of like a nothing lawyer. <laughs> You know, it's like, and what do you mean? But in the eyes of the court, you mean, or in yeah, life? Yeah, they they have status. You know, there's there's a certain status. Not that I'm saying you you should go out and get a lawyer that's that's bar associated. Definitely not, because then then again, you're you're basically ple- pledging allegiance to the the crown through your your barrister. You know, look look up what esquire means. Remember how knights used to have a squire? Go ahead and look up the definition of esquire. It's basically one step below a knight. To, to put a fine point on it, all these things in our society. So now when you watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, why the hell are they both Esquires? Well, I'll tell you why. It tells you where they're coming from. Mm. Yep. Yep. We're getting down to the quick here in hour one. What are some other good hour one things we can get in before we open up the floodgate in hour two? Yeah. So, so this notice of liabilities is kind of a bridge between exercising your sovereign rights with the court system. And the reason why we decided this is because the gentleman I was talking with, he filed the notice of liability, the whole, you know, shebang, all nine steps. And he did not get to the 10th step, which was the enforcement. How come? Because he didn't know how to enforce it. Okay. So let's be clear here. This is that you recognize that there's a flaw in that enforcement step. And that's really been one of the under pendings of what you're trying to remedy. Yes. So that you don't lose time. You're not losing nine months of time to get nowhere that lands you back in the court system. So you might as well just kind of somewhat play with the system, but do it honorably, do it with legitimacy. And you are providing legitimate documentation when you give a notice of liability that's been notarized, it's been witnessed, and you have very clear statements in your affidavit that's not foo-foo, all of it's true to the best of your knowledge, there's no reason why the court can or should deny your process, your due process. Are you showing up as a person who is off tendering the name that's on your birth certificate? People in the know will understand why I'm asking. So are you a living man or woman or are you just simply Mr. or Mrs. whoever? Whatever the uh, heck you're, you are, you're, in living, your you're a living man, living man or woman. With what name? The name that's on your birth certificate when you enter that courtroom for the last step of enforcement? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, okay. there's no okay. time to get I'm people just, to start changing their names. Well, it's there, this we this web that's been woven is beyond complex. I mean, yeah, I'm not, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I'm not knocking you here, believe no, me. No, 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 it, no. It, it gets it's, overwhelming. It, it's overwhelming. It's so complex. It's complicated. It's made to be complicated. And right. um, so we're, we're just doing what, you know, what we can. And if, if anything, even, you know, if you're using us, if we're using straw men characters through our birth certificate names, which really is a death certificate, you know, we're, we're, we're trying our best to do what we can within the system, within the time that is allowed. And, and that really is the, the key why I'm pushing this the way it is the, you know, the three steps, the, the notice of liability, the notice of default and injunction instead of, you know, a, a 10 step process is, is so that you're not losing time either. So if it doesn't work, you didn't lose a whole year waiting for something to happen that didn't, right? And you can you can just move off of that. You you can actually take even if you lose in court, you know, you don't get your injunction, you can still refile it and and do it one more time or however many times. And you still go after a lien. You can still go after their assets. This is still a legitimate process where it doesn't end at the injunction. So that's the beauty of why I, I think this creative process can work is because the injunction isn't the end all. You can still pursue a lien on their assets. Has anyone initiated what you're laying down here yet? There's one guy who has filled this out and he's trying to get it notarized, but he's having a hard time because everybody's quarantined. Yeah. You know, that's another thing I was going to bring. Yeah, hi, I know. Hi, Jason, I'm, I, I know I, I know Jason's over there. No, I, we got to wrap this under an hour to run on all the radio stations, Lena. So I'm going to make a statement and I'm going to wrap up. We're going to come back for hour two. Quickly, Lena, tell people where they can find you. Lena'sFabulousFrequencies.com. That's my website. You, and the document is behind a Patreon site because people have been plagiarizing me. I have to protect it. It's the price of two lattes a month. Uh, go there and you will find it's 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 free because I have so much information on there. It's a 27-page document. I spent over two years writing this. I poured my entire knowledge of 5G, 4G, 3G, 6G, 7G, the whole shebang, the whole internet of things. My entire research is, is basically in this document. It's a complex wealth of knowledge organized in, 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 a, in a fantastic way. I brought in Nazi scientists, the historical roots all connected to World War II, where all this microwave's coming from and how the FCC is acting in a treasonous manner by st still connecting themselves to, to this military operation, uh, Operation Paperclip and the Nazi scientists, all of it. All right. So we will make it possible for anyone that wants to find Lena, too. If you're a member, she'll be in the comments under this episode. You know, as we come into this, I'm wondering uh, when the, all the dust kind of clears from all these closures, is there going to be a different legal system in place? Is there a reason why the president hasn't been speaking in front of the seal of the United States? I think there is. Um, we're all going to have to keep an eye on what happens, but let's yes. face the facts here. When we come back in hour two, we do not have the restrictions. We've tried as hard as we can to lay as much as we can here, but for it to be left alone, we're like acting like babies, basically. And I don't really give a damn about social media, but there are lots of people who follow who I feel I owe responsibility to. So just so you know why we're doing it the way we do it is to try to get as much free information as we can. But in hour two, we're going to blow it open. We're not going to mince words. We're not going to do any of these ridiculous things. And these are important ideas. So join us for hour two at crow777radio.com. That's C-R-R-O-W 777radio.com. And by the way, there are fraud crow sites doing some 
pretty crappy things to people. So Crow 777 Radio is the only true Crow site. Join us for hour two of this one. It's going to be important. There it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing. Ha!